Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, Madison County Judge Executive Reagan Taylor will join us. He'll talk about why he has decided to run again in hopes of leading that fast-growing county where the population nears 100,000 and more are moving in. Taylor also leads the Kentucky Association of Counties right now during this challenging time. We'll be talking to Taylor shortly. But first, economic optimism for Kentucky's Appalachian region at the SOAR Summit that was held last week in Corbin. It attracted a record crowd. SOAR, or Shaping Our Appalachian Region, is an effort to get things moving in eastern and southern Kentucky, and it appears to be paying off even during these tough times. Colby Hall is the executive director of SOAR, and he's joining us on Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you so much for being with us, Colby. We appreciate it very much. Hey, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me. You know, I understand that you had a great participation, a big crowd, uh, the first ever time that this was uh, held in Corbin. Why is it important that people come together for an event like this and talk about the future of the region? Well, it's it's it was first. It was fantastic turnout. Broke a lot of different records in a lot of different ways, Bill. I mean, more overall registrants than ever before for both days. More first day registrants than ever before more volunteers than ever before the largest outdoor reception um first ever outdoor reception we've done so you know i really want to thank the city of corbin and their partnership uh for for helping us we could have done it without them and had a wonderful steering committee but you know it's important bill the way i look at it soar is a movement it's only going to be as strong as the that we get from the region i felt like soar's mandate came from the region so when you talk about having an event like that it's only going to go as far as the, the, the people that can get there to have those important conversations and to listen and to think about ultimately the moment that they head back to their home communities, how they're going to continue that work at a local level. How encouraging is it to you that, that the communities and, and Appalachian as a region itself is now embracing its identity, its history, its customs, and is finding profit in that, you know, uh, uh, because uh, a lot of people uh, are intrigued by, by the region? Well, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, Bill, I'm a competitive guy, and so I, I try to, I want sort of embody a competitive spirit, and I want the region to have a competitive spirit. You know, there's always going to be naysayers and detractors out there that, that talk about all the different ways that you can't get something done or that you can't do something. You know, Appalachia has to embody a, a, a resounding um, no to that to that that framework or that way, that, that vision of the world. And so our story is an important one. You're right, it, it's almost coming into vogue. People on the multiple side of Appalachia, you see all these retailers that are growing rapidly across the region, making sales in places like Brooklyn, New York, right where people just can't get enough of this Appalachian story and so we've got a great opportunity and I think that that is one of the, the real big things that we hit on at the summit this year Bill was as we continue to come out of this pandemic and all the negatives that were there it really has set rural areas up, up well for some opportunities to seize economically that weren't there before the pandemic and so it's go time and we've got to get moving. Well, one thing we have definitely seen in the pandemic is the importance of uh, remote work, and it gives people the opportunity to uh, live where they uh, want to and maybe work for a big company uh, back on the east or west coast. And so broadband is very important. I know that is something that uh, you discuss a lot and, and something that uh, you're also trying to improve in uh, eastern and southern Kentucky. 
Yeah, that's, that's right, Bill. And, and we had a panel discussion on broadband with kind of the leaders that are doing some great work from across the region. Listen, I don't think it's hyperbole to say it's life or death and getting this done. And really the good news is, is we, we've, we've got some counties done. We have some great local providers that are doing some great work across the region where they've already got fiber to home across their counties. There's some gaps there, but I think between those existing ISPs or local providers, our newly minted electric co-ops, and then our state-run middle mile uh, infrastructure that's largely complete, you know, Kentucky Wired and their exclusive wholesaler, Celecom, we've got the right people to be able to get it done. But uh, just the last thing I'll say on it, you know, the remote work piece, listen, cities, I'm not saying that, 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 that anywhere in Eastern Kentucky is ever going to be able to compete with a large metropolitan market. But when you break that paradigm between where you work and what you do and where you do it, right, that's great for rural areas because you talked about Appalachia and Appalachian culture coming in. That small town community feel, the things that you get with being a part of a community, people want that because you don't get that in a big city. You, you want to feel like you're making a difference in communities. Remote work provides the economic opportunity for more people to be able to do that in rural areas. So we're super excited, we're super bullish on this, and we wanna help get last mile done and then facilitate more remote work opportunities for more people so that they have an opportunity to stay in the region. And Colby, how does the uh, uh, the region break down the, the exodus of uh, talent, the brain drain that you see? I know you were one who uh, went away yeah. and came back. You came back to, to uh, Eastern Kentucky and have yeah. uh, married and you're settling in there uh, now. Uh, but uh, I yeah. noted that you brought some high school students uh, to the SOAR event yeah. in Corbin yeah. and, and let them be part of yeah. the, the discussion. How important is that to know what it is that it's yeah. going to take to keep them there it, it's critical i mean I, I, we spoke directly to them and we're going to continue to make sure there's a large youth component listen everything we talked about everything we showcased everything we did at the summit was for those groups of high school students those groups of college students that ev across every county in eastern kentucky across every post-secondary institution they're thinking about what that next step is for them and i don't think you would find anybody in the region that would disagree with the statement that the future of our region you know rests with our youth and what they and what they determine to do but we've got to go deeper than that we've got to show them how they can do it <clears throat> and quite frankly bill i think our competitive advantage or one of our competitive advantage in our pitch to those kids to get them to stay is to say listen well one there's economic opportunity here that's facilitated by new remote work opportunities for example that weren't here before so you can support yourself here and continue to progress professionally but we need you more we need you more in the region. You're gonna have a bigger impact if you can find a way to, to, to stay. And so I think getting to them as early as we can to get that in their heads, to say you are important. Every decision you make has can have good repercussions for this region and these communities that we call home. So you matter, you matter more to us. And we need to find ways to at least make sure you can understand how you can stay and do everything you want to do right here in Eastern Kentucky. So we look forward to continuing to have more and more high school and college students attend our future store summits. And Kobe, as you well know, it's uh, you know it's easy to uh, come out of an event like this and and rah rah and 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 say things went well. And you did have a tremendous uh, conference there, no doubt about that, or summit. Uh, but as you look forward, the the charge to to really get down in the trenches and do some things that will make a difference uh, for the region. Uh, how do you see that going? 
Well, the first step and always, Bill, with a, with, is showing up, right? And we talked about it at the summit is, you know, if you just show up, 80% of life is showing up, right? So that's always the first step. And if you show up and you control your attitude and hustle, it's crazy how most things eventually fall into place. So I think the source summit is that first step of showing up, right? And you're right. It's easy to capture that energy and excitement. But the hard work is when everybody leaves, are they thinking about how they learn something or how they can continue something back in their home counties because the bottom line is this bill nobody's going to solve our problems for us right we're not going to wake up tomorrow and there, somebody's flipped a magic switch and we're good to go on things like broadband we're good to go on things like the nursing shortage we're good to go on things like how we increase tourism and get more tourists to consider coming to eastern kentucky instead of other parts across appalachia and so that was a really important point we wanted to stress at the source summit was listen as leaders in your cities in your counties right you've got to think about how you pull your piece of the rope and we're here to support you but we're you know soar itself is a is a small team we have dedicated resources i wish we could be everywhere at the same time all the time but we have to find those people and identify and help them continue their piece of the rope and their part of the work in their home communities. Final question, though, you know, this program is reaching the metropolitan area in Lexington and some of the other areas of Kentucky. So what would you have people know about what's happening in some of those towns? You know, as we said, they're embracing who they are. They they are interesting experiences for people to come and see and, and maybe invest in. Well, I would say, one, there's a lot of Eastern Kentucky folks uh, in the Lexington area. I know that for certain. There's a lot of folks with uh, Eastern Kentucky roots that are there. So I would say, one, um, if you're looking for ways to give back or to get involved or find an opportunity to continue to uh, push progress forward in the region, please reach out to us, and we'll make sure that we find the right opportunity uh, for you through SOAR with organizations that we know are doing great work. But listen, you know, I would say, hey, as you're thinking about traveling, obviously we, we have great um, kind of anchor points, things like the Red River Gorge and Lake Cumberland. We had so many tourism groups, Bill, for example, represented at the SOAR Summit this year, having conversations with people on the, the western part of the SOAR territory. And they were amazed to hear about some of the things offered in counties like uh, Harlan County, right, or, or Pike County, and some of these some of these amenities and these really uh, cute, thriving uh, downtowns that are there. They, they just weren't aware they were there. So I would I would say first and foremost to some Lexington folks, if you're looking for a weekend trip, you know, enjoy the gorge, but keep coming, keep coming down. Go to see Jenny Wiley State Park in Prestonsburg and their Rails to Trail projects. There's so much that's there that if we just get people to look a little harder inside of our state there's no doubt they can find some some good activities to bring them to eastern kentucky colby hall the executive director of soar congratulations on a, a successful summit this week and uh, we'll be watching as uh, as things go along appreciate you very much for being with us thanks for having me again bill i had a, had a lot of fun and stay with us here on kentucky newsmakers reagan taylor the judge executive in fast-growing madison county says he's running for re-election even in these challenging times we'll find out why in a moment Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers, the leader of the second. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers, the leader of the second most populous county in WKYT's viewing area, and one that continues to grow fast. Says he will run for re-election despite a lot of challenges going on. Madison County Judge Executive Reagan Taylor is also wrapping up his term as president of the Kentucky Association of Counties, where he helped local governments deal with the impact of the pandemic and other things. Taylor recently delivered a state of the county address where he talked about where things stand in the county that is the home of the fast
fast-growing cities of Richmond and Berea, EKU and Berea College, and the Bluegrass Army Depot, which is on its way to destroying nerve agent that has long threatened the region. And growth and development also very evident, especially in northern Madison County on the outskirts of Lexington. Madison County Judge Executive Reagan Taylor, Republican, uh, is joining us on Kentucky Newsmakers. And we'll talk about his uh, bid for re-election. <coughs> the fact that he does anticipate there will be uh, opposition and an interesting year ahead. Judge, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Uh, first, your reaction to the sudden death of uh, Clark County Judge Executive Chris Pace, apparently from COVID. Yeah, it's uh, man, it's it's, it's just tragic. Uh, we were just together uh, two weeks ago at a judges conference right here in Lexington and talked to him, hugged him, asked him how things were in Clark County. I mean, obviously a, a, a great colleague in neighboring county to Madison County. Um, and it's just, I'm, I'm just saddened for, for his family. Uh, you know, he's got an uncle. Uh, Art Pace that uh, that is from Madison County that uh, actually used to work for the county back uh, years ago and um, actually talked to him this morning and just to let him know and let the family know that they were in our thoughts and prayers. He cared a lot about uh, about his county. He did. Judge, uh, Madison County's population is nearing 100,000 and uh, the projections have it getting there soon. Uh, what is driving so many people to want to call Madison County home? You know, I think uh, a lot of, lot of it is our location. Uh, I think right, being on I-75, being uh, minutes from uh, the city of Lexington, Fayette County, uh, I think, uh, you know, our quality of life is good in Madison County with EKU, Berea College. I think we're a real diverse county, having the cities of Richmond and Berea. Uh, and I think that we just have a lot going for us. Nobody could have imagined the history we've all uh, lived through, uh, especially the pandemic. The surges, as you know, have come and gone. Hopefully this one is uh, uh, we're toward the end of. Uh, but, but have our local governments uh, across the state and in Madison County responded as best they could? Yes, I 100 percent agree that we have. Uh, when, when the pandemic hit uh, in, in roughly March of 2020, uh, I actually put together a, a COVID task force uh, made up of a lot of our community leaders uh, in our health care, our law enforcement, first responders, EKU, our health, uh, our Baptist Health, uh, Richmond, and, and also St. Joseph Berea. Um, we all came together to communicate, uh, mayors, Mayor Blythe, Mayor Fraley, uh, to have a meeting. And, and when we first started, we met every day at three o'clock. Um, you know, how are we going to uh, get us through these challenging times? At the time, we didn't think it would last very long, right? Uh, but. Uh, but our meetings uh, continued for a while. Then we went to uh, Monday through Friday. Um, now we actually still meet every two weeks. Uh, we had our, I think, our 94th meeting uh, last Wednesday. Uh, and um, I think we all came together um, to really be unified in our approach and making sure that, uh, that our people had the re resources they need, the information they need um, to be able to to, to beat it. There's a lot of federal money that is coming to our local uh, cities and counties, but a lot of tight restrictions on how that uh, can be spent. What do you think is the, the appropriate ways in which that money can be applied? Um, I think that we um, can use those funds to uh, have a positive impact in our community uh, to be better prepared for these types of potential situations. Um, one of the things I'm glad with a lot of this funding is they're giving us time to figure out of what we can uh, do with it to make a positive impact on our citizens. Lexington uh, has uh, gone with a hero's bonus plan. Has uh, anything like that been considered by the city or county governments there that you're aware of? Um, not that I'm aware of at this time. 
the Bluegrass Army Depot has uh, long stored nerve agents and rockets that have been rusting and sometimes leaking for decades. We, we know that. Uh, they've announced they're about a third of the way through uh, with, uh, with destruction of that, uh, ridding the region of that, uh, that threat. Uh, that process uh, also has provided jobs, and someday that will be completed. So update us on the Bluegrass Army Depot. Yeah, we're starting to put a focus on a post-CSEP Madison County. Uh, you know, the CSEP program, uh, the uh, getting rid of those, the, the, the agent and the, and the, the missiles and, and the mustard gas and the nerve agent, um, it, it has brought a lot of federal dollars to Madison County that we've benefited from for so long and it's somewhat created a standard for, for resources that our three governments have been able to utilize over the years and uh, by, by having those funds we've been able to you know keep uh, taxes low uh, because our governments aren't having to buy some of those things to make sure that our community's in a, in a safe place. Uh, and and we've got to start turning our focus to a post-CSEP post Madison County uh, and what are we going to do to be able to afford those things. How do you replace jobs like that? So we've put together, we've partnered with Congressman Barr, uh, Leader McConnell uh, has helped with some funding to to do a study, on a, uh, economic development study. We're putting a uh, task force together somewhat to be able to uh, do this sort of a phase two study. Uh, there was a phase one study done several years ago uh, and so we're excited to see what our opportunities might be there. Uh, we also have conversations uh, with with uh, the Army to, to discuss you know what are some things we could do actually internally at the Bluegrass Army Depot to continue a mission there uh, and so we're looking forward to those conversations. You know to the county uh, you're going to be a loss of about 1,400 jobs, maybe a little better than 1,400 jobs. It's going to be about a million dollar hit um, to our tax, our local revenues for our just just the Mass County Physical Court. That doesn't include what it's going to be a loss to the city of Richmond or city of Berea. You have uh, uh, told uh, people that uh, you would uh, level with them on the challenges that are out there, uh, and that's uh, some of what you said in that uh, State of the County address. There has been a reference to a twindemic, as you know. The COVID is ongoing. At the same time, the drug addiction crisis also continues and has apparently gone worse. And it's no secret in this area that Madison County has had uh, quite a tough problem with that. Why is it such a challenge there? You know, I, again, I think some of it goes back to the interstate. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that is a thoroughfare for a lot of drug activity, a lot of moving those drugs. Uh, I think that we have to really just put a focus on prevention um, in, in our schools, in our school systems. You know, I think COVID just sort of slowed that down a little bit uh, because uh, of of schools being out, um, uh, less resources there. Uh, with, with fighting that pandemic. We had a Too Good for Drugs program going on in our school systems prior to the pandemic, um, which uh, we were looking to expand it into multiple grades. So we started out in sixth grade. We were wanting to add it um, to, to some other grade levels to have a curriculum of, of, of what drugs do to the family, what it does to the community. Um, and, uh, and education, I think, is a big part of it. You know, this drug epidemic has become generational. Um, and it does not discriminate. Um, and it has a lot of negative effect, effects on, on our governments, on our workforce, uh, recruiting, yeah. uh, economic development, our healthcare system. 
It's clear it's been a huge frustration to you during your time as county judge executive. You tried to build a campus to deal with the drug treatment and provide a path uh, back for those who uh, successfully uh, sought treatment. Uh, that didn't work out uh, politically and financially, uh, and that uh, that collapsed. Uh, do you? How do you go back at that? Do you still propose that, or do you look at a, at a different approach? Well, well I'm about solutions. Um, and I always want to try to create a plan that has solutions and a return on investment for the taxpayer. Uh, and, and one thing I know is that incarcerating is not working. Um, we've got to change a focus when it comes to people that have mental illness, have a drug addiction, that incarceration is not helping. And I know that's true because of, of the number of drug-related crimes of, of the individuals that are incarcerated in Mascade Detention Center, the recidivism rate. I mean, the, the signs show that incarcerating is not helping these people become taxpayers. I mean, I think we have to put a bigger focus in on creating more taxpayers and giving these individuals the, 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 the tools they need to become, to become productive citizens you're, of society. Numbers usually run over 500 in the jail there that's built for what? Yeah, I mean, last Thursday, I think we had 521. Uh, that would be in our jail, in other counties, and, and on. And, on home incarceration. A big financial burden to the county. It, it is. I mean, uh, we, I think we had 130-something inmates in other counties. I mean, if you do the math on an average of $32 a day times 365 days a year, I mean, you're looking at $1.6, $1.7 million a year that we're spending just to house inmates in other counties. That doesn't count transport costs or labor uh, for our, 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 our sheriff's deputies or our jail deputies to transport uh, those, those in individuals to those jails and then back to our, to our court system. A lot of challenges. You're running, there is a lot of you're challenges. running for re-election. Why? Well, because I think we're in a good place. I think the practices and procedures we've put in place um, has um, really been crucial for our success. Uh, we've saved tons of money. Um, we have a lot of, uh, lot of excitement going on in Madison County and I, and I, and I still feel called to do it. Um, you know, I got into government to try to change government and not let government change me. Uh, and I think for too long, government leaders uh, in general have told our citizens and our taxpayers what they want to hear instead of the truth. Um, and I'm always going to speak the truth. Uh, I'm always going to talk about our challenges, uh, but I'm also always going to talk about the good things too. Um, and, and I'm doing it uh, for my community that I love. I go back many generations. I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it for, for our citizens' kids to try to make Madison County the best place that it can possibly be. We talked about the tremendous growth. Of, of many, of course, are in fast-growing Richmond, Berea, uh, of course, but also the northern end of Madison County, which is kind of on the outskirts of, uh, of Lexington. A lot of uh, development and population growth there. Uh, are you able to keep up adequately with services uh, for, for what's happening there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think we pro provide a lot of good services. You know, our county, um, you know, once was a rural county, as you well know, but now it's becoming more of an, uh, <coughs> excuse me, an urban county. Um, we've got urban corridors that are set up because of I-75. Um, I always talk about the number of exits we have in Madison County compared to any other county in, in the Commonwealth. Well, we'll, well we're tied for, for first um, with seven exits uh, that come off of, of I-75. And I think that we have to use uh, those tools to grow our tax base uh, that ultimately helps with revenues 
and and we can continue to provide good services. Now you're renovating that historic courthouse over yes. there, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting going with that now? We are. We had our first uh, PDB meeting uh, about two weeks ago, um, and so that's getting kicked off. That's been a, a long time needed project, and uh, finally glad to get it across the finish line. Do you expect a tough race next year uh, as you uh, defend your record and, and, and try to uh, um, talk about the future? I, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm proud of what we've done. Um, our, our team, our, this administration, our fiscal court members, we've done a good job. We've uh, we saved tons of money, and I think that's what taxpayers want. Um, they, they want to see results. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is educating the citizens of the facts. Um, with social media today, um, it, 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 a lot of times it's tough, um, but my door is open. I answer my cell phone. Um, I encourage any of my citizens, if they want to know the truth, to call me, to reach out. Madison County Judge Executive Reagan Taylor, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Stay with us. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The nation is trying to boost COVID vaccine numbers still. Pharmaceutical giants are working on protection for people who have already had the vaccine. And healthcare workers are trying to prevent a twindemic. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, has the details. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Daily COVID numbers dropping, but still only about 56% of Americans fully vaccinated. And now we are seeing waning immunity in people who have had the vaccine. Moderna and Johnson Johnson are seeking emergency use authorization for their booster shots. The FDA and CDC could make a decision in the next few days. The FDA has already authorized a third full dose shot of the Moderna vaccine for the immunocompromised. And Pfizer is administering a third full strength dose in people 65 and older and other high-risk groups who got the vaccine more than six months ago. Meanwhile, another vaccine getting a lot of attention, the flu shot. Experts warning as cold weather drives more people inside and less people wear masks, we could have a bad flu season. This on top of the ongoing COVID crisis. I asked infectious disease expert Dr. Jeannie Morazzo about this year's flu shot. How effective is it this year? You know, we're not really sure. We won't be sure until things really get rolling. Odds are that in the last couple of years, it's been anywhere between 30% and 50% effective. You usually get the flu vaccine now. October is prime time to get it because we're starting to see the influx of viruses around this time. You can get it at the same time as your COVID booster. Although I will say, having had my COVID booster recently, I would not have wanted to get my flu vaccine on the same day because it would have been a very painful bilateral arm situation. Um, but, but do get it. Flu vaccine reduces mortality mortality and particularly in older people. The CDC recommends nearly everyone six months and older get the flu vaccine. Most people with insurance can get one without a copay. And if you don't like shots, no problem. You get the flu vaccine in nasal spray form. Want more full court press? Tune in Sunday. We bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you. And that is Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you for joining us, and you make it a good week ahead.